Well, uh, today, as we've been the last few weeks, we're looking at uh, what it means to be a disciple. And I know uh, a lot of you, maybe nearly all of you, believe in Jesus. But I know some of you have a hard time actually naming yourself as a disciple. Because it's kind of easy to assume that a disciple means like a higher level has been achieved. Uh, But I want you to know that Jesus calls even beginning believers his disciples. Did you know that? And, and even the most flawed followers, he calls his disciples because a disciple is a learner. That's what the word means. A disciple is a student of life. Well, we have a theme verse for this uh, series. It's John 8, 31. Uh, and I hope that you will commit it to memory. Okay, let's put it up here on the screen. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Who, who thinks here, if you really applied yourself, you could memorize that today? You know, you probably could. Uh, it's not very long, and uh, so I'm going to leave it up there on the, script, on the screen for a minute so you can jot it down or take a picture of it. I saw somebody doing that here just now. Um, so let's say it all together, shall we? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So Jesus is saying, yeah, you've got a lot to learn. You've got a long way to go. But if you keep listening to me, if you're in that process of listening and beginning to put it into practice, then you really are my disciples. And in this series, we're we're looking at uh, Jesus' disciples in the Bible. uh, And and it's kind of surprising when you read the Gospels how flawed and fickle they often were. But here's the good news. If Jesus calls them his disciples, then I'm pretty sure he calls us his disciples too. So one of my purposes for this series is for us to own our identity. Own our identity. So if you believe it, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me loud and strong, I am really a disciple. disciple. That's starting to feel good? That's three Sundays in a row we've done that, and so I want us to own and claim that. Uh, And the disciples in the Bible, as I said, are flawed people, and, uh, but but God was at work in them. You know, in my Thursday email this week, a lot of you saw it, one of the things I said is how God has put a lot of love in this church. And if someone, and sometimes I'm asked to describe this church, that's one of the things I say right up. God has put a lot of love in this church. And I hear uh, from newcomers how warm and welcoming you are to them. And, uh, and I see every week how you serve the Lord, you're serving the community. But I want you to know if you're here looking for a church and if you're looking for that perfect church, you're probably going to be disappointed because we're not that. We are a fellowship of flawed followers. That's who we are. We're people who have flaws and a long way to go. And the way I see it, though, is that people who pretend to be perfect, um, I mean, they are just pretending. It's the people who are real about their flaws who are real people. They're the ones we can relate to, aren't they? Uh, And by flaws, I'm not talking about deliberately disobeying God. Flaws are our weaknesses, okay? Flaws are our blind spots, Flaws are things when we, 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 we do the wrong thing when we think we're doing the right thing. 
And in the Bible, the most influential disciple of Jesus was probably the most flawed. His name was Simon, also nicknamed Peter. And uh, uh, there was a time when uh, Jesus' disciples were in a boat and they see Jesus walking on the lake, but they don't know who it is, what it, what it is, and they think it's a ghost. Ah! So Jesus talks to them and calms them down. And Simon Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water to you. I mean, who asks that? Huh? Anyway, so Jesus says, come. Simon steps out of the boat and onto the water. And then a, a gust of wind comes and blows against him and he starts to freak out and he starts to sink and he cries out and Jesus grabs him and they both step back in into the boat. Now, Simon, he's bold. He's bumbling a lot of times, but he's bold. And that's how he learns. And then there's the time when Peter, James, and John uh, are with Jesus on a mountain. And uh, suddenly Jesus starts changing. His, he, he's, he's kind of shining and, and glowing. And, and then there he is talking to Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. And, and we call this event the transfiguration. And what does Peter do? He interrupts Jesus with an idea he's got. He's going to build three shelters, one for each of them. Talk about ruining the moment. Peter, what were you thinking? And another time, Jesus tells Peter, by morning, Peter, you're going to disown me three times. Peter promises, I will not, I, will, I would rather die than disown you. What happens? Well, P Jesus is arrested Peter follows behind at a safe distance. A servant, girl no, a servant girl notices him as having been with Jesus, and he denies it. And then another servant girl points him out to some, to some other folks, and again, he denies it. And then a few others accuse him of being one of Jesus' friends, and, and he, he, he calls down curses from heaven. I don't even know the man. And then... When he realizes what he's done, he just breaks down bawling. You know, at some point you might expect Jesus to just say, I'm sorry, Peter. I got to take you off the team. You know, I know you tried, but it's time to say goodbye. You're not, you're not my disciple anymore. But Jesus doesn't do that. He hangs on to him. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, we're going to be looking at starting with verse uh, 15. If you're, if you're looking in the Pew Bible, it uh, starts on page 983. And uh, as I always like to say, if you don't have a readable Bible of your own, today you do. Just take that Pew Bible home, tuck it under your arm. It's yours to keep. Uh, and we'll put another one in during the week, okay? But... Uh, if you're looking for, where, what am I going to start reading? Well, this book that we're in right now, Matthew, would be an awesome place to start. Uh, just go to chapter 1 and feel free to skip over the genealogies, okay? Uh, unless you feel like you need to sleep, and then that's okay too. You can read those. But anyway, verse 15, uh, Jesus asks his disciples, okay, guys, who do you say I am? And I can imagine the disciples kind of looking down, twiddling their thumbs. I hope he doesn't call on me. Because, I, you know, I'd hate to get it wrong, and then I'd be so embarrassed. 
The only one of them who's brave enough to speak up, you'll see in verse 16, is Simon Peter. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, in some Bibles, maybe if you have your own translation with you, it might say Christ instead of Messiah. It's the same thing. And when we call Jesus Messiah or Christ, what we're saying is that he is the anointed king. The anointed king. And, and, and by, if you expand that out to what that means for us, is that he, he is God's answer for the world. One of my favorite Christian songs from way back in the 70s was from Andre Crouch and the Disciples. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Now, you don't know it. That's fine. But uh, anyway, that's what, we're, that's what we're saying. When we call Jesus the Messiah or the Christ, he is the anointed king. He's the answer for the world. And as Simon Peter says, he is the son of the living God. Now, the idols of this world, the things that we chase and put our lives into and pour things, they're, they're not going to hold us up. They're not going to be there for us. The only true God has given us his son to be our sovereign. And in verse 17, we find that Simon um, hasn't come up on with this because he's so smart. It was revealed to him. Now, I want you to go to verse 18 with me, all right? Can you, if you find that verse? Because I want you to read it out loud with me, will you? Let's, let's do it. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So this is where Simon gets his nickname, Peter. Or you could translate it, rock, because the Greek word Petros means rock. He's the rock. Move over Dwayne Johnson. This guy is the rock. And God did use Simon Peter to build his church. Who was it who stood up and proclaimed Jesus on the day that the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 Jews were, were, were believed and saved and were baptized? It was Peter. Who laid hands on the first Samaritan believers so that they could receive the Holy Spirit? It was Peter along with John. Who brought the good news to the Gentiles for the first time and they believed and were filled with the Holy Spirit? It was bold Peter. Now, sometimes Peter's boldness got him in trouble. Let's go on to verse 21. Jesus explains what kind of king, what kind of Messiah king he's going to be. He's going to suffer. He's going to be killed. And on the third day, rise. Now, apparently, Peter only heard the, the killing and the suffering and killed part because that's what he reacts to. Verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? I mean, talk about guts or chutzpah or whatever you call that, you know, to, 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 re, to re, rebuke Jesus. Anyway, uh, he says, never, Lord. He, he said, this shall never happen to you. Then in verse 23, you hear some of the strongest words Jesus ever spoke. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So in the span of a few minutes, Peter goes from rock to stumbling block. From speaking the will of the Father to speaking the will of Satan. 
So Peter's the poster child for the bold but bumbling. He's unpredictable. He's inconsistent. And yet, Jesus still calls him his disciple. And Jesus did use Peter to build his church, and he plans to use you to build his church. Maybe you don't know how to be bold. Maybe you don't know how to be bold without bumbling. Neither did Peter. And that's okay because your mistakes aren't fatal. Your flaws aren't final. You're going to learn along the way, just like Peter did. Well, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of our friends, uh, and we'll do that by this quick video. Let's watch. What, dude? What? Are you seriously still mad? I said I was sorry. Hello? Dude, I said that I was sorry, all right? It won't happen again. Yeah. I promise. That's what you always saying, this promise thing. I don't know what to even expect from you, man. Like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I can't trust you. You can trust me. This is the one time. The one time. That was a video from back in March. We saw these two guys 11 times last fall, and here they are. We have Jarrell Roach and Austin Anderson. Uh, they are both preachers, and they are both comedians, and that's how they met was through comedy, uh, and they are local people. Uh, Austin has family here in our church. Yeah, my brother-in-law is Shane. He sings at the second service. Yeah, and your, and, uh, your mother-in-law, Maria, too, yep. right, yep. Uh, also sings with that, too. And uh, also, Austin was our MC for our Bluegrass and Barbecue, so some of you might remember him for that. This was him. That was a this good was day. Me. Yeah. So, and now uh, you have chili, and I, I don't get to MC the chili event? Dang it. But, but you can come, you know, because you're, you're, you're both kind of have your own churches and all, but now Faith Westwood is your, is your second home church. Just want you to know that. Okay? Awesome. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't meet, I didn't meet Jarrell until today. I talked to him on the phone yesterday. We've been setting this up by email. And, uh, but I feel like I know this guy. And all of a sudden I realize he doesn't know me at all. You know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, I don't know if it was by accident that I called you guys when I, when I thought of the theme bold but bumbling. But... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're here, set. and so, but, you know, sometimes in, li in our lives, we, we get, like, we're all for the Lord, but we blow it, uh, we blunder and bumble our way through. Um, so anyway, I'd like to hear just kind of from you all and, and your stories of, of this kind of thing, and what, what's happened with you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, it really is a blessing to be here. Can we, can we show some love to Pastor Steve? Can you guys do that? <laughs> Man. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, bold but bumbling. You know, I will say this, just to set this up really quick. I had this re, uh, new relationship resurfaced with Christ um, going into the military. And kind of like I wanted to serve my country, but like I was kind of running from some situations too. 
And there was just a total rebirth. I came back home from boot camp and I was a different person. But at the same time, I was doing comedy. I went into comedy and I had this brand new relationship with Christ, but the comedy stage was a place where I compromised night after night after night after night. And if you looked at me in a church setting, you would recognize I'd spent time with Jesus. If you looked at me on a comedy stage, you wouldn't think that I knew Jesus at all. You know, and the things that came out of my mouth were racist. The things that came out of my mouth were sexist. Uh, things that came out of my mouth were prejudiced and degrading to people. Um, tons of profanity. And then, you know, that was on the weekend. And then on Saturday, I'd be like, hallelujah, I love you, Lord. <laughs> right? And it was just so inconsistent. And I recognized that Christ, he loved me so much. Um, and there was just so much woven into that experience on stage and really trying to find an identity in Christ. But it was bold. But it was such a place of, uh, of, of bumbling as well. And uh, I'll just stop right there and as we go on, as we go on. Uh, yeah, I mean, same for me. I've been uh, bumbling through being a Christian for a long time. And I've always done stand-up. I started doing stand-up in high school my senior year. But I remember I went to Christ Community. I never went that often, but I love going on the ski trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they do, like, you, get, you go to, like, a service. You know, they do an altar call, call for Christ. And I remember praying. I'm like, all right, not right now, God. But, you know, let me, I'm going to do my own thing. And then later, you know, I'll be, I'll be a Christian after I do what I want, which is just insane if you think about it, but then, so that kind of went there, and then, um, yeah, I started doing stand-up, same thing, just bars, clubs, and just being, saying whatever I wanted, just dirty, whatever, that's kind of the, just how you do it when you first become a comedian, you know, <laughs> you just say the filthy things, I suppose, because they get laughs, and kind of get in that rut, but then in my early 20s, then I kind of got, I don't really remember exactly, I think it was my mom, my mom just continuously prayed for me and sent me books, and stuff. So then I'd read them, and I started like listening to some sermons and reading the Bible and stuff like that. And I, you know, I started becoming a Christian and, and gave my heart to Christ. But the same thing that with Jarrell, you know, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm a Christian," you know. And then I'd go to the comedy club and and uh, just say all sorts of things Ridiculous. that completely Ridiculous. contradicted <laughs> the Bible. Wow. So yeah. just do you yeah. know being like what the Bible says not to be dual-minded. Yeah. Uh, totally, totally was that. And, you know, when going to parties, like, bumbling, like, you being bold for uh, Jesus, but being drunk and being like, you guys need Jesus, like, <laughs> which is just yeah. absurd. Oh, yeah. And then uh, just kind of regretting that. But even along the way, even though as my faith grew stronger and I became a Christian, I even, all the profanity and stuff came out of my act slowly, and I just started working clean and stuff. But then I would, I would compromise, you know, uh, because I would just, you know, a fear of man or, or wanting to thinking that I had to do something to further my career. So then I would take like a part in a TV show yeah. that I knew that was, you know, not what God would be, would want. Yeah. You know, it goes against everything the Bible says, but I'm like, well, I don't cuss in my part, you know? But then after that, having to live with like the guilt and shame of being like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then people being like, well, why did you do this? You know, and then I kind of uh, just had to realize that, you know, for that, God will forgive me. Like man... Man may never forgive us, but Jesus Christ always will. So, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and I would say I walked away from comedy completely because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. 
And it was a conviction in my heart. And I think in, in time, it was the right thing. It was really the right thing. I had a huge addiction to alcohol. I had a huge addiction to a bunch of other stuff. And God cleaned me up in that time. And it was in prayer time that he called me back to comedy. And I didn't, I didn't sit down to pray to God about comedy. It was just in prayer time. His voice just said, and some of you guys are going to be, relate to, be able to relate to this, but his voice said, you're going to make people laugh again. And God has spoken to your hearts in other ways. But see, at one point when I had a rebirth relationship with Jesus, he was like, see, Jarrell, I can build my church on this. But then I went back and I denied him through my actions, like in such a ridiculous manner. And the truth is, like, I'm still talking about the same topics, just in an entirely different way. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. So in some ways, uh, getting laughs and applause becomes an idol, doesn't it? Oh, wow. Absolutely. Bow down to it, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, especially if you're you're bombing, and then you're like, I know what they'll laugh at. Yeah, yeah, bombing the, means the doing horrible. Thing, yeah, and then you say something. <laughs> yeah, you say something, you know, that you shouldn't, you know, but you get that laugh compromise. Yeah, you know. sure. You, you had to get the yeah. applause. And, and God loves entertainment. That's why it moves us so fast from sports onto like variety shows. That's why it moves us so fast in the way that we think and what we're attracted to, etc. He loves entertainment and he loves joy, but. As he gave this, this dream to me, as Jesus is sitting and talking to Peter about this dream that he has, even for them, in some ways I found myself trying to rob God, and we can't make a mockery of God. We just can't. And so um, even going through some of those feelings, we talked about it, of guilt, really feeling like, wow, I have a responsibility to people, and this is all I gave them. You know, and then just going back to my regular work, and it's something I think about what, what it would have felt like when Jesus shows back up on the shore for Peter. And I remember Jesus showing back up in my shore, just saying, you're going to make people laugh again. And it was literally just weeks later when a lady came, she called, she said, boop, are you still doing comedy? Can you just come make us laugh? Right? And I was just like, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? And so I'm getting up there doing comedy, but they don't even know the work that Christ has done in and through my heart. And I thank him for still allowing me to be his disciple. Yeah. So maybe part of the the bumbling was saying i'm going to be bold for christ and never touch comedy again yeah yeah which and, I, yeah. I did as well i quit you know maybe for three months at a time or here or there yeah. and then i was because i'm like i can't i can't do it yeah i just always you know you're supposed to be a light in the darkness but the darkness seemed to always like overtake me at times yeah. so i was like i can't even be around it but then i always get pulled back in because people would call Absolutely. and be like you want to do it and i'm like yes yeah the darkness was like luke vader there was like <laughs> austin who's your daddy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you, is not you my daddy. No, just like, <laughs> so yeah. is that in your act? No. no just <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is it. This is who we are. You know, this is who we are. Imagine building something that God, you know, God sent you to build and you ruin it. Oh, but then he comes back and says, let's do it again. Would you just be willing to do it my way this time? Hmm. And you recognize his forgiveness and his mercy. I just feel his presence right now. You recognize his forgiveness and his mercy all through and through it. Like, sometimes it's not comedy. Sometimes it's marriage, you know? Sometimes, oh, I'm going on no, further. No, no. But, so wow, so wow. Let, let's talk about how you are. Um, I was getting ready to preach right there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's going to get up. I, I, I cut <laughs> you off at the past. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, so you, when, you, when you realize, hey, I've, I've blown it or, mm. you know, God's called me, how do you deal with the discouragement? Wow. Um, yeah. You know, for me, I just, I would, I'd have to go back to, 
um, the fact that I am forgiven, that God forgives me, you know, just like he forgave Peter. You know what I mean? I mean, it's pretty, he built his church on Peter and he denied him three times. I mean, that had to be awful, you know, and even like, hey, I'm going to build my church on you. And then the next sentence, he's like, get behind me, Satan. All right. So um, just, you know, having complete uh, faith in the fact that, you know, God has forgiven me when I've repented and put my faith in Christ. And um, just, just holding firm to that, I mean, that's, that's truly mm-hmm. the number one thing. And just, you know, staying in the Word and, and just accepting the fact that people may never forgive me or forgive you for things that you've done, but Jesus does and will. Yeah. Oh, can you, we can clap for that. That was super good. Come on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, for mine, mine felt like a country song because I, I started drinking. I lost my girlfriend. I got behind on bills. Did your dog die? My dog. Yeah. And, uh, or my roommate. Like, you know, same thing. And, uh, <laughs> but my drinking got excessive because when I couldn't put my identity in trying to get acceptance on stage, and uh, it, it went back to the thing I knew and uh, alcoholism. So I went through this uh, spectrum, and I, I, I can't say I needed it, but as I went through it, I can always recognize God's hand was there. I didn't need it. I didn't need to go through the things I went through, but I recognized his hand was there, and I needed his hand. So that feeling of guilt and acceptance, man, I, I'm guilty of this, of like sabotaging people. And like, I'm guilty of representing my race wrong. Like, this is the Richard Pryor, the Eddie Murphys and all that. This is what I thought I was supposed to do. And I'm not degrading them, but that's not what I was supposed to do. That's not who Christ made me to be, right? Because my identity is in Christ, not in them. And so I had to accept so much. I still see people nowadays, and I apologize to them, you know. They're like, dude, you're a different dude. I'm like, yeah, sorry for what you've seen. But I had to really just... um, I had to really stay before God and recognize that my, my identity was anchored in him. And through that process, he sobered me up from alcohol. He sobered me up from the influences of the world. He sobered me up from myself. And, uh, and then he called me while on my knees. And uh, he didn't forget me. He showed back up to my shores. I was good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So sometimes when we, when we try to be out there for the Lord and we, we blow it, yeah. there are times when we just want to back off completely. Oh, yeah, yeah, disappear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you think that's what you're supposed to do. It's, it's somewhat artificial, honestly, and it can be somewhat superficial, like backing off. But if you, if you understand God as a teacher, you understand that sometimes you need that rest. You know, he is our Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. We can rest in him. But, man, I was throwing out albums. I was throwing out all sorts of stuff. I'm like, I'm going to be a super Christian, right? And maybe that's not what he wanted me to do. Uh, but I was trying to take responsibility for my own purity at that time. And so, yeah, I totally backed out. Yeah, that. or just thinking that you, you have to be perfect yeah. in order to be a Christian. Like, people are expecting you yeah. from that. But, you know, and people that don't believe in God, they probably are. They're like, oh, these Christians think they're perfect. It's like... <laughs> No, we're all in here because we're terrible people. Like, and we know it. You know? Especially <laughs> you. I'm just playing. Yeah, especially I'm just all of you. I'm just, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. You know, because I did have these, I had these false notions of, yeah. like, the second I was going to be like, you know, all right, Jesus, forgive me, you know, you're just you're coming to my life and help me out, that I was going to, like, like, rise in the air and spin around, like, at the end of Beauty and the Beast. 
where he transforms from a beast into a person, but I was going to transform into Joel Olstein and just smile all the time. <laughs> just constantly smiling, like, hi, and even talking weird. How are you? So I was, I was worried about that. And I was like, I can't live up to these expectations. I'm like, I am just not, like, I can't put on a front and act like I don't do anything wrong or just and not do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Just so... I, when I felt like people were expecting that from me at other churches, then, yeah, I would just stop going or be like, eh, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, the bar is too high. Yeah. It's almost like you become hyper judgmental of yourself and the scenario around you. And that's not who Jesus was. That's not who he ever taught. But you almost become hyper judgmental. Then it's almost like me and then them. Right. And Jesus taught in his, te his teaching, you're becoming concerned about all these human things, these human concerns, while I'm trying to usher in an entire kingdom. So Peter was becoming hyper-judgmental. You, you, ain't, you ain't about to die. You must be tripping. All right, I said that in the video. All right, they tripping, all right? He, and, he, and he refused that, you know? And it wasn't so much, I think, God calling Jesus Satan, or uh, Jesus calling uh, Peter Satan as much as he was saying, yeah, that's pretty satanic. Go ahead and put that behind us. Do you remember the last thing I just told you? All right, so let's not trip. And you become hyper, you really become hyperactive. I mean, hyper judgmental. Like, I would totally be judging other comedians. Yeah, they're so wrong. They're so, they're, they're sinners, man. They're this, that. I'm turning it off, right? You know, and that's not what he wants. He wants us to fall in love with those individuals because that's who he wants us to reach. And I will say, because of the change in heart, I've done way yeah. more than I ever thought I could have. Yeah, and I think it's like uh, as you become spiritually mature in yeah. your faith, too. I think right when you become a Christian, and you realize, you know, all of a sudden you're not blind, you can see, and you're like, yeah. oh, everything is so evil. <laughs> yeah. All these people are so bad. So then you, you freak out. But then you got to just realize that, you know, no one, we're all the same. You know, we all have the potential to uh, give in to the sins of this world and the sins of this flesh. And we all have at one point or another, you know, so no one's better than anyone else. Once we become a Christian, you know, it's like a battle within us. We're sinner and saint, you know, and, and you know, we sanctify in this life, but we won't be fully sanctified until we die and we're reunited with, with God, you know, through Christ. So you got to uh, just keep a perspective yeah. that uh, we're all the same. We're all struggles, you know, struggle, struggle. We're all sinners. Yeah. We all need forgiveness and we all need love. Yeah. Anything else about bold and bumbling, you guys? Yeah. What would I you wanted, say? Okay, let me share with you one thing. Obviously, race has been a big thing to me. You know, I walk in here, I'm probably one of the only black. I made sure you are. Except for this whole section, because you guys looking pretty black to me. And, uh, <laughs> and so I expect it to do what other black comedians did. And, you know, I used to have all these jokes riddled with the N-word, and it's such an ugly word, and it's an ugly mess that we've all gotten ourselves into. But God, through his wisdom, has shown me how to approach that another way, right? So I say in whoopings, you know, has anybody ever got a whooping in here? Raise your hand if you got one. Yeah. Has anybody ever got a beat down in here by the same parent? Good, we'll call CPS, right? And then... Yeah, they will. You can't beat your And kids. then they say things like this. You know, um, parents say ridiculous things. They say, I do this because what? See, that's why we need an altar call right now. And then they say things like, they say this like, it's going to hurt me what? Yeah, it's crazy. And then they whoop you and tell you to be quiet before I give you something to cry about. What? <laughs> and so what God did is he gave me a new approach to talking about the race issue because we talk about it because we want healing. So I said this. I said, you know, and then they get all, they bring race into it. White folks say I'm a tan yo hottie. Black folks say I'm going to beat the black off you. Apparently we should all be light brown. Yeah. And he just gave me another way to look at that joke in a way that approaches 
some of the realities of life because okay. God is good. Be bold. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's pray for him. We have, a, we have a tradition here of kind of everybody lays hands on from a distance, so they're going to raise their hands and, yes. uh, toward you, and we'll bless you. Love All, right. All right. All uh, right. Dear God, we thank you for these uh, bold but bumbling disciples. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the calling on their lives and, and for the mistakes that they've made but are still learning from. And uh, Lord, whether you uh, have them representing you in the church or the comedy club, Lord, let, uh, let your truth ring out strong. Uh, may the name of Jesus be praised uh, because of their calling. We pray in, in his name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank yeah, thank you guys. you guys. Thanks for having us. All right. So, so the idea with bold and bumbling is, you know, don't, don't give up being bold. Just, we just learn to be bold more wisely. And so I wanted to uh, end with uh, sharing three things that we all as, as disciples need to be bold about. Be bold in your love. Be bold in your praying. Be bold in naming Jesus as your hope. When you are bold in your love, uh, it makes people curious. What makes you do this? When you're bold in your praying, you see God working in ways that you didn't before. When you are bold in naming Jesus as your hope, you, you lead other people to desire to have a hope like that. And so I'm going to ask us to just take a minute now and pray for God to make us bold. Let's pray. Lord uh, Jesus, we, we thank you that you have given us the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us power so that we can have a boldness that's not of ourselves. Uh, we, Lord, we want to love people boldly and extravagantly in ways they don't expect. Lord, we want to pray boldly, uh, trusting you for what we cannot control and, uh, Lord, leaving it in your hands. Lord, we want to uh, ask that you will make us bold by your spirit in naming Jesus as our hope. Uh, Lord, we want to be willing and able and ready to, to speak that, his name. And um, Lord, uh, we, we don't, we're not here because we, we don't want to turn people off. We want to turn people on toward you and uh, recognize that you do your good work in your timing and we just be there as you need us. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.